Should we end what they call money games? North Carolina Central was able to end their losing streak to A&T. However, Texas Southern was not so lucky when it came to the game against Prairie View. And I have something to say to my alma mater. Oh, yeah. It's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU. Your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over you can follow me on twitter at south exclusives now today's episode is brought to you by linkedin and i'd like to thank linkedin jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the locked on college network linkedin jobs helps you find your candidates that you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions do apply You can use LinkedIn to get you a little bit of money. And I have a question for those. Should we end the idea of a money game? I throw my air quotes up, right? We're in the same ballpark. Should we end money games? For those who don't know what a money game is, I'll explain it really quick. It's basically when a small school, FCS, we're talking SWAC, MEAC, Tennessee State, Hampton, um, North Carolina A&T, when an FCS HBCU or small school goes against a big school of FBS school, basically not really thinking they're going to win the game, but doing this in the hopes of getting a paycheck or not even the hopes with the promise of a paycheck. That is what a money game is. After a couple of week one matchups that were honestly, they were smashings. There became a little bit of a conversation. You know, there's a conversation around the respect that HBCUs get. And I think that's what this stems from personally I think that's what it comes from but it's just been an idea of should we continue with these type of games could we should we continue with these games where we come in seemingly thoroughly outmatched and some are completely against it some are completely for it when you say they're come they're outmatched it just it sounds negative you come in with a negative connotation a negative view of the game so I'm just gonna say Should we continue going against these big time programs for a paycheck? In my opinion, yes, because it's deeper than the paycheck. A lot of people will say yes, because HBCUs need this, that, and the third. They need this kind of funding, that kind of funding. Think about all the things that they can do with the money. How many times I got to come on here and tell y'all, this is not a business podcast. It is not. That's not what I really focus on. That's not my level of expertise We're not on here talking about business 90% of the time. We're talking about the fact that I'm on team play these games because I'm not looking at it from a team aspect. I completely get how somebody would look and say, look at all these negative things that come with playing these quote unquote money games. And I'm going to try to continue putting my air quotes up 
every single time I say it because I don't want to call it that. For me, it comes down to, are you looking at it for a team? Are you looking at it for an individual? If you're looking at the latter, to me, it's an easy choice to say, yeah, let's do it. Um, and I'm, look, if you're rooting for a school, it's likely because you went there, you have a little bit of fandom there, but it's, players are going to recycle. This is college. They're not staying more than four years of actually playing, right? You have some of them super seniors, you know, the six-year guys and things like that, but they didn't play, and that's why. They have four years of eligibility when they really play. Now, you're in love with the team. The players recycle through. You're going to have new players all the time, so you can't really get too attached to the player. However, if you take a step back, for me, I took a step back. I'll say that. I took a step back, and I was able to say, at the end of the day, we want these kids to get to college. We want these kids to be able to go into the, not getting to college, getting to the pros. They want these teams to see these players. And the best way to, for the best way for these teams to see these players is to have them going against some of these bigger schools. And I don't, I don't like it. I don't like that that's the way it is. But let's be, let's be completely honest. South Carolina State is probably seeing more scouts at the SC State UCF game than most of the games that they're going to have on their schedule this year. That's just honest. And it's not because they're coming to see them. It's because they're coming to see a UCF team. However, you show up and you show out. Oh, I just made myself some money. You have a chance. I'm banking on the chance. Look, it's not promised. You could have none of those players come up and show out. But it is what it is. You still put the opportunity in front of them to say, hey, I want to make sure that I put my best foot forward. I think when it comes to those who don't want this, they're thinking from a team aspect of, well, this looks bad on the brand. And you have those who likely already are against HBCUs try to weaponize that and say, oh, you're this is why HBCUs aren't this, that, and the third. All right, I get it. I can't deal with those people all the time. I can't. Those kind of people just don't dictate how I'm looking at these things. There's going to be people who are already against you, already for you. You're likely already for us no matter what. So I get it. You don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want... I don't even know if it's like a handout situation. I think it's more so the result of the game looks terrible, and it always does. But what did I say on, I think it was yesterday's podcast. If it wasn't yesterday's, it was the day before. You can't just look at the results when talking about games like this. And when I say you can't just look at the results, it's about the fact that, hey, how does Jablonski Green look when he's going against UCF? Because Jablonski Green is somebody who can get themselves some money. When Coach Willie Simmons calls this a get money game, and notice I put no air quotes there. When he called this a get money game, it's because these individuals have a large opportunity to increase their draft stock. South Carolina State got absolutely demolished last season by Clemson. The score was 49 to 3. I've heard multiple people say that this game was one of the big reasons that Kobe Durant went so high in the draft. So if you're looking at it, with HBCUs, of course, you're going to have your school pride. Of course, you're going to have that feeling of, I don't want my team to get blown out. But I'll say this. I'm sure that a lot of South Carolina State people will sit there and say, I'll take this if it gets another one of my defensive players drafted as a mid-round draft pick. It's about the things that you're valuing here. I won't tell you not to value the team aspect. I won't tell you that at all. I think it's a very reasonable thing to value. However, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to tell you I'm looking at what this game can do for the individual player. And for me, 
the greatness of that outweighs the negative side of maybe team embarrassment or not looking like a quality football team. It weighs that, or excuse me, that weighs more to me. So when you want to ask the question, should money games stop? Well, first off, I'm not calling them that. I've been calling them get money games since Willie Simmons said it, but I know what we're talking about here. Should these FCS versus FBS for a paycheck game stop? I'm going to tell you no, because there are too many opportunities for the players involved in this game for me to say, yeah, let's go ahead and get rid of it. I want to continue giving these guys a chance to perform in front of or against big time competition, because that is something that is always used as a knock for our small schools. You hear that at the Shrine Bowl. You hear that at the Senior Bowl. Oh, this small school guy went against these big school prospects. And now we see what he can what he can be. Let's not make that the only opportunity that they have to do that. Let's keep these money games in action. Now, going forward, we're going to talk about some streaks. One was broken, one wasn't. We're going to talk about the streak that was broken. And no, I'm not talking about The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. I'm talking about North Carolina A&T losing to North Carolina Central for the first time in a little bit of time. Now, with it being the fall, it's time to get your business in action and i'm talking about linkedin jobs there's no more time to waste with it being the fall we're getting closer to black friday with it being the fall we're getting closer to christmas we're getting closer to times when you need to make sure that your business in order is in order and you're talking to the candidates that you want to talk to faster because you can make hires a multitude of different places you want to make quality hires this is what we do here at LinkedIn Jobs. Now, I know people firsthand who will say that their job, their life was changed by being a part of LinkedIn because the opportunities, the connection that it allows you to build. See, most of the people I know are on the employee side, but they're talking to people. So you have the ability to reach out to them as well. Over 80 million people get on LinkedIn. There are so many opportunities, so many people who are able to see or excuse me, 800 million people get on LinkedIn. So many people are able to see what you put up. Just use the purple hashtag hiring frame and make sure you go to LinkedIn jobs. Okay, linkedin.com slash locked, locked on college. That is linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU. We're going to talk about North Carolina Central finally slaying a demon that's about six years old. And that is North Carolina A&T. They came out with a victory in this game for the first time in six years. This is major, okay? And at least somebody broke the streak, so. I, I mean, I guess I'm going to have to take solace in the Eagles doing it. But here's the thing. This is the first major victory of the season for them and it's only week one i think that sometimes we see oh north carolina a&t that's the, that's that's uh the old meac champions and that's great and that will still make this a great victory or we say oh man they don't they ain't do too hot last year and maybe try to downplay what the eagles did let's not try to downplay them at all let's be very clear this is a a victory that i feel like should resonate amongst the whole fcs community because whoever north carolina a&t played in week one if they were to lose that game the victors should be looked at as they had a pretty good victory 
A&T is expected to win the Big South this year. I'm not saying this game changes anything. Matter of fact, I'm definitely not saying this game changes anything. Because if that was the case, that would be taking it away from Central. Oh, y'all lost to Central? Yeah, y'all ain't that good. No, I think that Central truly is that good. I mean, we're looking at South Carolina State to repeat in the MEAC, but let's not act as if Central wasn't right there with them neck and neck. And Trey Oliver, head coach Trey Oliver, has already said, well, we have a chip on our shoulder, and it's shown to me. It's shown because they were absolutely dominant. I thought they had a phenomenal game. Let's get into the Aggies, or I mean, let's get into the Eagles, because they overcame a 12-point underdog status at the beginning of the game they were 12 point underdogs they weren't even supposed to really be in this game instead they said you know what y'all could have gave them the points and they still wouldn't have touched us that's how bad they dominated north carolina ANC. they completely flipped the script on what many people thought would happen and they were one of only two MEAC schools to win in week one and when they won they came in dominating fashion and they dominated every single aspect of the game and that's why they were able to sweep the MEAC awards this week. Let's just go through them, right? Let's just go through them. Uh, the other MEAC team that won was Delaware State. So shout out to the Hornets starting off 1-0, and o, knocking off Lincoln. So these are the MEAC awards this week. Offensive player of the, of the week, Davius Richard. Defensive player of the week, Khalil Baker, defensive back. Five tackles, a, a pass breakup, and then also an interception. Rookie of the week and specialist of the week both go to linebacker Jaden Flaker. He had three tackles and also a blocked punt. And then you have finally your offensive lineman of the week, Corey Bullock, and not a single sack or penalty on him. So no mistakes, not a sack allowed, not a penalty given up in 66 snaps. Now, the only player who I listed off that I did not describe was Davius Richard and the quarterback had a phenomenal game for the Eagles I felt as if he deserved to just stand alone I felt as if he he really earned the ability to sit there and say okay everybody else did good everybody else got all conference honors this week but Davius Richard was the man four touchdowns a true dual threat a lot of people say that when the quarterback can run because their job is to pass he is a true dual threat quarterback Davius Richard had two touchdowns on the ground. He had two touchdowns through the air, and he showed himself to be in full command. The first team preseason all MEAC quarterback said, you know what? We can't lose this game. When I tell you that Trey Oliver clearly has a chip on his shoulder, and I know that it spreads to the rest of the team, these are the type of moments that I feel like we're looking at. These are the type of moments where I feel as if, okay, North Carolina Central has something to prove. Davius Richard has something to prove, and what he needed to prove is that we're not losing to A&T again. We haven't won since 2016. This is starting over. The streak is broken. And if you watch the game, it wasn't as shocking, right? I, I kind of alluded and mentioned the, Undertake, the Undertaker streak where that guy was like, whoa, he was shocked. But it's not, it's not as shocking if you really watch the game. I felt as if they dominated the first half and they dominated the second half. The first half was really all about offense. Three of the four touchdowns that they scored, Davis Richards scored all of their touchdowns. But three of those four touchdowns were in the first half. All of North Carolina A&T's points were in the first half. So you had a 21-13 lead going into the first or into the halftime. Then you come in the second half, and it's a defensive game. I don't know what happened in, in halftime where each team was able to figure the other out. 
However, in the second half, Central was only able to score one touchdown. A&T was able to score not a thing. So when you're looking at the tail of two halves, it's a very offensive first half. 21-13, you have 34 points scored. This is looking like, okay, this is going to be a high-scoring game. In the, in the famous words of the of the legend Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend, okay? The defense said in the second half, we're going to step it up. We got in the halftime, we ate our orange slices, and we ready to come and knock some heads. That's what they did. But here's the thing about it. In the offensive half and then the defensive half, both times Central got the edge. They scored more points. In the first half, 21-13, when everything was flowing, everything was going on a, on the offensive side. And in the second half, when everything was defensive, they held North Carolina A&T scoreless while North Carolina A&T allowed a touchdown. One last thing about the performance coming out in the first half. I thought it was so important that the Eagles were able to come out and really punch A&T in the mouth and was able to go into halftime with the lead. And that's because in games like this where it's a, it's a big-time rivalry. It's a packed crowd. Everybody's rocking. You in Charlotte. This is special. Only the fourth time ever in history of the game. You have to come out hot. That initial punch matters because these type of games can get away from you in a flash, in a snap. It takes nothing for a game like this to get away from you because you have everything in, on your back, right? Everything's to your back. You're thinking about, oh, I got to win. I got to break this streak. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do the third. And all of a sudden you look up. You down 15 points going into halftime. That didn't have, happen for North Carolina Central, and a lot of that probably had to do with Trey Oliver and Davius Richard. They kept each other calm. They kept the team calm. And then when maybe things weren't going as great, the defense stepped in. You have to have a counter, and they had it. One team that didn't really have a counter, to me at least, in my opinion, was Texas Southern. I'm going to tell you why I'm so disappointed in my alma mater, and I'm going to write kind of an open letter Right, I'm just going to vent, so allow me to get my frustration off as we continue with today's episode of Locked on HBCU. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, my alma mater ain't doing it. Texas Southern, we have to be better. We have to be better. This is a call to my alma mater. This is a call to all of the players out there. I'm not calling you guys out by name. I'm not trying to chastise you. I'm not trying to, you know, be funny. I'm going to make some jokes in here because that's I, I got to laugh. I got to laugh. But we have to be better. Now, I felt like this was the year. I apologize, ADG. I, you text me. You know, I, I appreciate you really calling me out on Twitter like that. You know, like, be prepared to lose. Like, what, what was I supposed to do? Just sit there and take that? No, 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 no. But I appreciate uh, the trash talk, man. I, I My man ADG on, on Twitter, I hope I'm getting this right because it's off the top of my head. But, um, you know, he always tweet me little things. But he decided to talk some trash and say that Prairie View was going to beat Texas Southern. I said, no, nah, I'm feeling like breaking a streak this year. I was the only one feeling that way because I felt as if there was some big-time – miscues on every side of the ball in every aspect of the game that I felt just was not conducive to winning. Let's get into it. I felt as if the play calling was kind of hitting your head against a wall. We can't just, it was too repetitive. It was too redundant. The ESPN feed was very bad. It kept going out. There was bad weather. So I'm assuming that's why it went out. 
you know, I was happy that it wasn't my Wi-Fi because my Wi-Fi is terrible, okay? But Texas Southern versus Prairie View was a hard game to watch because ESPN kept going out. From what I saw, however, it felt as if a lot of the things came out of the read option, if not everything. And it also felt like you never put yourself in a situation to where you could have easy third downs. There was bad play calling to me. It wasn't even so much about the execution. The execution wasn't great, but it also didn't help, right? And I'm not going to excuse anybody. I'm not going to excuse Andrew Body. I'm not going to excuse uh, Ladarius Owens, Ja'Cory Howard. I'm not going to excuse the offensive line. I'm not excusing anybody. However, I do feel as if the play calling was very redundant. There was a lot of just, all right, everybody's going to go through this read motion, read motion. We're going to keep beating our head against the wall. The run was not working, not the way you had it. Good teams find a counter, and I believe this can be a good team. But you cannot continue to beat your head against the wall. You can try to run it down somebody's throat and just keep smashing them. However, if it's not working, it's not working. That's a tactic that it can work, a tactic that can work. But when it's not working, it is so inefficient, it's irritating. If you're just trying to continue running the same play and out-muscle, out-man the opponent, but you're not doing it, you have to find something different. I don't think that body was out was without blame. But this type of play calling is not going to get him the second team all pro or all, all swag. It's not. He had 53 yards on the game. He went 7 of 17 and had himself an interception. I don't think believe he had any touchdowns. If he did, he had one. I think that Andrew Body is a supremely talented quarterback. However, if you're going to have yourself in situations where handoff, handoff, third and long, handoff, um, you might throw it every now and then, but you're probably still putting yourself in third and long. Let's get some third and shorts. You have third and manageables. Let's get ourselves in third and shorts. And don't run it. Throw it. You weren't, you weren't beating them at the line of scrimmage. Simple and plain. So you have to do something different, and they just didn't do it. Like, when I tell you that these things can work, just look at the other side. Prairie View did it. This is what was so embarrassing. They, listen, Prairie View was so dominant. How dominant were they? They were able to beat Texas Southern by three scores and never complete a pass. I hope you guys enjoyed that little wild and out reference. That was a big part of my childhood. But here's the thing. They were popping out 100-yard rushes like Nick Cannon popping out babies. It didn't matter. They had 300-yard rushes. Jordan Stewart, Ahmad Antoine, Trazon Conley. And then the backup quarterback got in because Conley got hurt, not because it was such a blowout, but because Conley got hurt. And then when he got in the game, he rattled off a 30-yard rush. They never completed a pass. They only attempted six of them. You knew exactly what they were going to do. See, I just said that it's hard to get your offense going when the defense knows what you're going to do. It's predictable hitting your head against the wall. But the tactic works when it works. And it was working for Prairie View. So I'm calling out that front seven because the back end, they only threw the ball six times. No completions. Two interceptions. You intercepted a third of their passes. Zay Hamilton did both of those, by the way. It looked as if the preseason hype on him was warranted. I heard a lot of people saying that Isaiah Hamilton was going to be a really good cornerback. He had two interceptions in the first game and had a pick six. So it looks as if the hype on him was warranted. I will say that was by far the brightest light for Texas Southern on Saturday. But you knew they were going to run the ball, yet you still allowed them to run it down your throat. That to me, goes to the front seven. 
to me, that's not even so much about the play calling and defenses. You have to be better on that front seven. If you know they're going to run, especially when their quarterback went out, after a while, you got to know that they're, they're not going to pass against you. They are only here to run. Now, I will say this. I want to see what Prairie View can do in a passing game, but I'm not going to knock them. They didn't need to pass. They did not need to pass, so I'm not going to knock them for not doing it as the season goes on. However, we know they can run the ball. We know they have a great offensive line. We know that they have a stiff defensive line. I just need to see where their quarterback play is going to be when it comes to putting it in the air because the big question mark is going to be what is Prairie View going to be. But overall, Texas Southern, I need you guys to step it up. I need you guys to fortify that front seven, and I need you to, I need you to not be so predictable offensively from what I saw. I'm not saying that this is the end-all, be-all. However, first week, you got to get that out, man. Going into week two and three, got UNT this week, got Southern in week three. That's the week that you should put it together. They can't come through and run it down your throat every single play. It's not going to happen. It can't happen, right? So hopefully, speaking of Southern, we're going to be talking about them versus LSU for tomorrow's episode. We got Caroline Fenton. We're going to do a crossover episode, one of the biggest games in Baton Rouge history, big two schools in that area so we're going to talk to some lsu tigers versus southern jaguars i appreciate you for making locked on hbcu your first listen of the day every day make sure you're back with us tomorrow for that crossover episode for your second listen of the day make sure you're checking out the ultimate pro football preview now 2022 the season starts tomorrow the season starts tomorrow. If you're over the moon like I'm over the moon, make sure you check out this eight-part series, eight-part extravaganza, breaking out everything you need with the local experts and then also Lee Sterling from Locked On Bets. All you have to do is search Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter, at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.